The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes. Join me every Monday for a new episode of my podcast, Recovering from Reality. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, I'm here to deliver intimate conversations and expert insights to empower you on the road towards authentic wellness. So are you ready to recover from reality? Welcome back to the Life with Mariana podcast. I'm your host, Mariana Hewitt. In this episode, I'm joined by Sivan Ayla. She's an influencer and the co-founder of not one, but two brands. Her first brand is Lux Unfiltered, which is a beauty company. And then she's also got an apparel line called Tan Lines. So I'm chatting with Sivan about what helped grow her social following, how to create engaging content, and how you can get reposted by her brands. So if you want to hear about all this and more from her, keep listening. Sivan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So a question that people have been asking a lot when I have guests on are, how did we meet? It must have been at an event, right? Yeah, it was at an event. We were sitting next to each other at Annie Lawless's event for, I think she might've been launching the brand. It was at... uh, Oh, that's right. You were pregnant with Capri at the time and I was sitting next to you. Yes, that's exactly what it was. That was my first time really meeting a lot of the girls in the beauty space. And it was really nice because I felt like I'd been following all of you guys for so long. And then meeting you all in person at the same time was really sweet. And all of you guys were super warm and welcoming. So yeah, from there, we just kind of started following each other and keeping up and seeing each other in the event circuit. So it's been nice to have that relationship. At that time, I can't remember what year it was, but how long had you been a blogger influencer at that time? 2018. So at that point, I'd been blogging for about five years. Oh, wow. So long. What were you doing before you started your blog? I worked in retail initially, and then I kind of veered into wholesale. So I worked for other designers in downtown LA, and I was working like the whole... Um, trade show circuit. I was doing a lot of just uh, merchandising and it was a lot of like logistical things. It wasn't very creative. I wasn't loving it. Obviously, the fashion industry can be pretty cutthroat. So I wasn't super in love with what I was doing and the people I was working with. And I started my blog on the side just as a creative outlet, as a hobby. I didn't go into it for money or any of the benefits that you actually do get as you you know, grow your blog, but it kind of fueled me and kind of sustained me creatively to a point where I kept it going even when I had zero readership and hardly any followers. It was like my mom and my boyfriend at the time just reading my blog and it just became a true genuine passion for me. So I kept it going that way. And then once I started getting momentum, I let go of everything else I was doing. So I started doing a little creative consulting on the side just to get out of my wholesale job and to stop commuting to downtown LA every single day. And it was it was definitely like a tricky, risky process, but definitely worth it. And do you think now, like looking back, even though you didn't love what you were doing, that's really what's helped you in your business with tan lines of like really knowing the back end of what it takes to, you know, sell and make product? 100%. I think that having that experience definitely gives me a better perspective as far as like what the consumers are looking for how we look to a retailer, positioning your brand in general, obviously learning how to merchandise and create a full collection. And obviously like the logistical side of creating something is new for me. I I had never done any production or manufacturing, but 
that's a whole other animal. But yeah, <laughs> definitely having that experience helps. And I'm sure you know. Yeah. I, can't even, I can only imagine. And then you said that, you know, it is really risky to have a job and security to want to become like a blogger and influencer at that time. What was that turning point for you where you could now have your blog and social media full time? It was basically around the time I started gaining more momentum on Instagram. So first, I didn't really understand how you could monetize any of those platforms. And so I was keeping my side jobs just because I need that security. But then the minute I started getting inquiries and more paid partnerships, I realized that you could probably grow this the more followers you have and the more engagement you have. So I reached a point, I want to say it was like around 50K. I still had a pretty small following, definitely still micro. But my husband at the time was just kind of like, this is taking up so much of your energy and your time that you, I think you need to give this like a full shot, 100%, dedicate your energy to it, see where it goes. And, you know, if you fail, I've got you. Like, we're, you know, in this together. So, having that support system is super helpful and reassuring and comforting. Um, abandoning my secure job for something unknown was definitely scary, but I just had to take the risk because otherwise, what am I doing with my time? And, you know, dedicating full-time hours to something as a hobby was just becoming really unrealistic to maintain. And what really did help your Instagram grow? Because 50,000 is still a lot, especially at that time. Yeah, it was definitely slow and steady. I remember um, at my wedding, I actually hit 10,000 and everyone like toasted me. It was, <laughs> it's kind of funny to look back because back then it was, it took forever to get like a little K next to your number. And I think that what was going on at the time is, the Explore page was a really big deal. And if you could get your content on that page, you could definitely grow faster. So I had a destination wedding in Greece on the island of Naxos. And it was kind of an obscure new form of content at the time for Instagram. So I think what happened is my content was just kind of unique. And I kept going on the Explore page. And I really tried to dissect that and see what I could do to emulate that after the fact. So what I did was a bunch of experiments. I did a whole year of traveling every single month. I tried editing my photos a certain type of way. I tried producing similar type of content. And it was a kind of a combination of all of it, I'd have to say, because at that point, I started gaining more momentum. And I think the consistency of it all is really what carried me through and got me to this point. Um, I never stopped sharing my life, even personal things. And I know that to some people, like it's not they try to keep that separate. And I completely respect that. But for me, I think my audience really resonated with me because I was showing them my true personality within all that beautiful content. So it was kind of a mixture of like unique content mixed with just showing like my real side. I think that's what I love about following you because by the time I met you and started following you, Instagram stories became a thing. So I love that you had such an aesthetic feed and I get your brand so well. But then on stories, I get your personality and like you at home and the dogs and the baby. And I love seeing both sides of that. And like, even when you're just talking, I find myself listening to your stories all day long because I'm just so invested in your life. Even though I just like text you and ask (laughs) you something, but I love seeing it. And I think a lot of times for people who try to have an aesthetic on Instagram, it's hard to kind of balance both. So how did you master finding that aesthetic? Because I feel like it's so true to your brand and your followers know it so well. Yeah, the aesthetic thing is tricky. I feel like it was not an automatic overnight thing for me. I definitely played around with different edits, different filters, different colorations. And only when things started naturally falling into place and becoming more effortless that it really just click and it became easy. So I realized that my entire life is surrounded by neutrals, 
soft colorations. And so I just kind of ran with that. Instead of trying to like curate a color based on a season or a trendy color, I just stuck to what was natural to my surroundings and my environment so that it just came easier to me and I was able to create more content. So that helped me with the consistency aspect. And I mean, from there, it was just kind of like my my grid could be aesthetically pleasing, but then where you see my personality and stories could be a little bit more raw. You could just see, you know, things either unfiltered or unedited. It didn't have to be necessarily pretty. And I think people like that. They like to see that even though on my page, if you don't look at my stories, it might look very cohesive and aesthetically pleasing. My stories, you still get like a true person and with a personality rather <laughs> than just a bunch of photos. So yeah. I think you just got to like find a good balance. And then for your feed, do you plan out your grid or do you just like, because everything's in the same aesthetic, it's fine whenever you post stuff? It's a little bit of both. I like to map out content for the most part, just to kind of make sure that I'm diversifying. So I love to throw in like home decor or like lifestyle images in between my outfits and my makeup selfies and all those kinds of things. And I love to sprinkle in Capri and family content. So I just like to have a good mixture. So planning it out ahead of time helps me do that. I don't really need to plan it for visual purposes, but I think just strategically to make sure that I'm mixing it up, planning is always really helpful. And just in general, I think I'm sure like most content creators at this point can attest that planning is just like the key to keep everything really consistent and moving forward and organized. Okay, I just have to break to tell you guys really quick about our brand new Summer Fridays launch. It is available now. You have been asking about this for so long and it is finally here. So I think you're going to really love it. It's Summer Fridays Cloud Dew and it is an oil-free gel cream moisturizer. It's ultra lightweight with three types of hyaluronic acid and it's perfect for thirsty skin. It's also got antioxidants and pineapple enzymes, which is going to help improve your skin tone and texture. The way that I like to use it is in my morning skincare routine. So what I'll do is I start with a cleanser, then I use my favorite CC Me Serum, which helps with hyperpigmentation and dark spots. Then I'll apply Cloud Dew. It's a gel cream formula and it really just glides on my skin and it's perfect to apply before wearing makeup. So as always, our products are vegan, cruelty-free, and in recyclable packaging. And it is available now at Sephora and SummerFridays.com. And how do you plan your content? Because you have stories, IGTV, reels, feed, blog, and then you have brands. So how do you manage all of it? I've tried so many different platforms and apps and plugins and calendars. And I think that what really just worked the best is using a Google calendar and just color coding everything so that I know blog content is one color, personal engagements and obligations are another color. And just kind of going from there. I also work with a scheduler. So this is probably like an unknown role to most people. But in the influencer world, having someone who is there to help you manage all that is super helpful. So it's not something I had from the beginning. It's something that I've only recently implemented actually when I was pregnant with Capri. Because I was nervous once I had her that I wasn't going to be able to manage my content properly anymore. So I brought her on to help me really stay organized and make sure that I'm planning everything out perfectly and timing things. That's obviously like a luxury that I have. But with the amount of content that I'm pumping out on all my different platforms, it's sort of necessary. So between a Google Calendar and my scheduler, I think I've got it nailed down. (laughs) Absolutely. Because it's so hard, I think, being an influencer because every day you're creating like the genuine content that you want to share. But then there's so much behind the scenes that goes on with sponsored content. So what are the hardest parts of being an influencer that maybe people don't see? For me, it's definitely just 
finding the balance between the unsponsored and the sponsored with life getting in the way, running two brands, having a baby, being pregnant, working with my husband, trying to maintain a semblance of a social life amid a pandemic. It's obviously super challenging to not only create you know beautiful, enticing, different content, but also mixing in the real stuff. And then, of course, you've got your obligations and your obligations are there to sustain all of it and make sure that you have a livelihood and you can support it financially. So it's just for me, it's like I'm home. I don't really want to get dolled up. I don't want to have to go out and shoot content that's not like in the moment. I typically have always thrived on just shooting when I'm out and about and just in my natural setting wherever I am. And now my biggest struggle is just lack of energy, lack of time, lack of motivation to want to get ready probably sounds superficial to most people and like not real problems, but it's just super draining. Honestly, I feel like I'm sure you feel the same way. Sometimes you're just like, I want to be in my sweats. I'm not trying to get full glam. (laughs) I have one day a week is my content day. And that's the day I get up in the morning. I wash my hair, I put on makeup, and then I try to shoot as many things, especially like video content as possible that day. So I have stuff spaced out because you know, you have two brands, Uh, Lauren and I have a brand. So it's really hard, like trying to split your time. And like my get ready days are very different from like my zoom and meeting and like email work days. So I, I try to like have different hats on for, for those days, which helps me a lot, but I'm always so engaged with your content. It's always so beautiful, but I feel like I know you so well. So what, how, what helps you really like create content that resonates with your followers and keeps them so engaged with your content and your life? What I've noticed is that when I post things just kind of like spontaneous in the moment, that's when I get the most engagement and the most responses. So I always pay attention to what is making people tick in my DMs, in the comment section, what people are responding to. I feel like it's just built in research for you to really have in front of you to see what people want to see. And I cater my content to that. So I feel like when I'm just in the middle, like for instance, this morning, this is probably so TMI, but I was using my little nose hair trimmer. And I'm like, you know what, this is such a great little tool. And it's super inexpensive. And I feel like most people don't want to talk about it because it's weird. And I talked about it. And you wouldn't believe the amount of people that responded like, not only is it really funny and random and true, but it's just kind of like, this is different than what you're seeing on Instagram. And they love yeah. it. So, you know, like my DMs blew up because of a nose hair trimmer. So it's like, I just kind of like pay attention to what I'm doing as I'm going throughout my day, whether it's like a little hack when I'm doing the dishes or something that saved my nails that day. Just really simple, everyday things I think people really appreciate versus like something super highly edited and curated, which I still love to do as a creative. To me, I'll never be, you know, I'm never going to not do that. But I think mixing in the real life stuff really helps. Mm -hmm. It's funny too, because you can put so much effort into an image and like go to this beautiful place and do all these things and have it professionally shot. And then you can take a quick iPhone picture and throw it up and it gets way more engagement. (laughs) I know. I know. I had that struggle for a long time because I would shoot with a photographer and spend all this time and money and planning locations. And then it wouldn't get nearly as much love as a little candid iPhone would. So... I mean, I get it. How has being an influencer changed for you over the years? It has changed in the sense that it has really enabled me to do a lot more and just really create longevity in my career. I think in the beginning I was I was doing it for, you know, for fun and it was really exciting and I loved the perks of being a blogger. I loved the travel and the gifting and, you know, everything that comes with it. 
But then the minute I was able to really transition into becoming a brand owner and expand on it, I really just took it to the next level for me. And it really made it all come together, just painted the bigger picture for me. I never really thought that Instagram or my blog would be the end game. I just truly could not envision myself being like a 50-year-old blogger. (laughs) And I'm not knocking anyone who's 50 and doing it, like more power to them. But for me, I just didn't... like I couldn't see it. And so having that ability to create a brand that now my husband is co-founder with me, we built out a team, we get to work from home and we have the flexibility and just obviously all the perks of being self-employed is just it's so rewarding. And I'm so grateful for the opportunities that I've been given through starting my blog. And speaking of the longevity and your co-founder with your husband, tell us about your two companies in case people don't know what they are. Yeah. So we co-founded Lux Unfiltered, which is our beauty brand. We started off with self-tanners that are non-toxic and we've slowly transitioned into non-tanning products as well. We have an early December. So we're super excited to be expanding into more than just self-tanning, but everything we do is non-toxic. And then our other company is called Tan Lines. And it started off as swimwear and it has transitioned and grown into sport as well. So we've got swim and sport and we also do minis. So if you're a mom or if you want to match with like a little... Um, niece or we have a a boys range coming too since I'm having a boy Um, that's kind of what tan lines first of all everything's so cute and as we like speak about aesthetic I feel like your brand DNA of who you are is so true to like your two companies also how do you think about the brand DNA of those two do you think of them as like different from you or like extensions of you So for Tan Lines, my name is attached to the actual brand. And that one to me is a little bit more personal. It's kind of like a natural extension of my lifestyle. So we decided to expand into sport because I I came to realize that I exercise every other day and I was wearing a lot of active wear and people were always inquiring about my outfits. So that was like a really natural fit and a natural way to grow. I also love loungewear. So it just made sense. And then Swim was something that originally came to mind because we were traveling so much. And also, I couldn't find any cute, simple, uh, basic swimwear pieces for Capri. So all these ideas kind of stemmed from like my personal life. So in my eyes, Tan Lines is just, it's me, it's more fun, it's more personal. Um, Whereas Lux Unfiltered, we view it as a little bit more of a luxury brand. It's more sophisticated. And there's less attachment to me with that brand. And we just kind of want to establish separate identities for each one. And both brands are direct to consumer. Is retail something that you're interested in or do you want to grow a direct-to-consumer at first? Thought about both options. We go back and forth all the time. We obviously see the benefit of being in a retail store, but we just kind of wanted to set it up so that way we have the most control over the brand. We also want to just cater to our audiences and really have to like direct contact with them. So saying direct-to-consumer has really enabled us to do that. Also, like price point wise, we want to be able to make everything affordable. And so direct to consumer has just really worked for us. And at this point, I just don't really know where it's going to go. I'm not, I'm not like against it or opposed to it. It could very well turn into that at some point. But for now, I think we're going to say direct to consumer. And you have such a large audience of people. Like I know I have to go on the website as soon as you launch like anything for tan lines. I'm like, I have to go on because it's going to sell out. So it's like, if you're selling out and you can push all that traffic yourself, like I don't think there's any reason to go there just yet because you're able to, Right. because I think what people don't understand too, is like when you sell to a retailer, you have to sell to them at wholesale. So the margins are getting like cut down. So everything becomes more expensive when you buy them from somewhere else. So a great point about your price point. How do you stay motivated between all of your business? 
businesses between influencer, Lux Unfiltered, and Tan Lines? Well, I have a very, <laughs> I'm pretty high maintenance. <laughs> so for me to maintain my lifestyle and kind of keep everything going on that I want around me, obviously I have to work hard for it. So that's always been a motivator for me. I just, I've always had really high standards and goals and expectations of what I want my life to be. And so working hard was never something that I was afraid of or that I knew wasn't going to be part of my life. It was always going to be there. Now that I have kids or I have one kid and one on the way, I just it fuels me and motivates me even more. I want to create something that they'll be proud of, maybe something I can leave for them one day. And my husband and I just really enjoy growing something that's ours that we started from the beginning. And it's just it's just a very rewarding feeling. So ultimately between lifestyle choices and just feeling so rewarded from what you create, it just, there's never a day where we're not motivated to work hard for our businesses. I love that. And then when you first started Tan Lines and if somebody wanted to come out with an apparel company, like where do you even begin? I think sourcing your, just all your people between, you know, packaging, manufacturing, fitting, fit tech, fabric, like everything. It's that's probably the hardest part. You know, obviously having your vision and then your mood board and your direction and your website, like that stuff to me is all fun. It's easy. Like that comes naturally to me. But the logistics side of it is definitely the hardest. I definitely feel like asking for help is something that you have to be comfortable doing. You have to ask around. You have to be comfortable kind of using favors when when needed. It's never like comfortable for me to reach out to someone and ask for um, a referral or a reference or a resource. But at the end of the day, you know, when you've got a good support system and true friends that are there to like root you on, they'll be happy to share. So I've definitely leaned on my friends who have businesses and apparel companies to kind of guide me and help me with finding my resources. And then from there, you know, it's a lot of word of mouth, a lot of asking around and it just kind of a snowballs. Like the minute you find your manufacturer, they can obviously point you in the direction of a great source for fabrication and a good fit tech. So it's just about forming those relationships, I think. I don't really like do Google or Yelp for these kinds of big decisions. What's the hardest part about making apparel? Oh my gosh. Well, the hardest part is that you cannot please everybody. And mm-hmm. that is something that I've just I've had to come to terms with and accept. And, you know, as a small company, like we're trying to grow and we're trying to cater everything as best as we possibly can to our audiences and what their wants are. But it's just impossible, you know, between different body types and different colorations. And it's just literally impossible to please everybody. So I'd say that's always my biggest struggle because I always look at feedback and I'm like, oh, this person wants my leggings longer, but then this person wants them shorter. So, you know, what do you do? when you're a small business and you can only really produce one type of legging. So that's kind of my biggest struggle at this point. I think, you know, just accepting the fact that I'm never going to be able to please everybody. And when I naturally want everyone to love what I'm doing, it's it's a little bit tricky. It's so hard because it's like your baby. So you feel like when they are upset with it, they're like personally upset with you. And it's so hard sometimes to yeah. like separate yourself from it. So you did post that you went to go look in Texas and possibly some other places about moving. So if people are living in other cities, not in New York or LA, do you think it's possible for them to start a business like Lux Unfiltered or Tan Lines and not be in a major city? So I've thought about that. And that's been one of the many obstacles of us trying to move is you know, the fact that we have establish all of our relationships and everyone that we work with is here in LA. I don't think it's impossible. I think it's doable. 
between either finding resources in your city, um, but also being open to traveling. I think that for us, once you find something good and it works, you don't really want to disturb that. So in our mind, if we were to move to another state, we would definitely have to commute to LA pretty regularly. I think there's other alternatives, but I don't, I wouldn't be discouraged. 100% don't be discouraged. You know, anything is possible. And if you want it bad enough, you'll make it work. And now with technology and Zoom and this, like there's definitely ways to do it, but pretty convenient that everything that we've built is, you know, here in LA. So it's a, it, it, that deters us from wanting to move. Let's just put it that way. And then as far as marketing your brands, where I see it mostly is on Instagram. Are you using other like outlets to market both of those or like push sales to your sites right now? We do a little bit. We do some like SMS marketing. We do emails. We do a little bit of like paid ads on Facebook and Instagram. We haven't really done too much of that. We have only recently decided to open up that conversation and maybe even do some like influencer campaigns. We haven't really needed to. And, you know, thankfully it's been really nice. But at the same time, I don't want the brands to be fully dependent on just me all the time. I want it to grow on its own, I want it to reach a new audience. So unfortunately, Paul or myself are not experts in marketing whatsoever. So we have enlisted the help of other people to kind of guide us as far as you know tapping into new markets because that's obviously a goal of ours for both businesses. So we're just starting that now and we're hoping to see some good results out of that. But I definitely think that at some point as an influencer, you've got to just realize that your reach can only go so far and you have to grow beyond that. And if people want to get a job at one of your you know, businesses in the future, where do you guys post job listings? So we do a lot on Instagram, actually. We're pretty vocal and open about when we're hiring. Um, we post on our brand's Insta stories a lot when we're looking for somebody just because we want someone who's paying attention to the brand, who's invested, who would be excited to be part of the team. So a lot of times we kind of start there instead of using like my channel, which obviously a lot of my followers do follow my brand. So it's sort of reaching the same audience, but we start with the brand's page itself just to kind of really narrow it down to the people that are like the diehard, like love the brand. And then if people want to get reposted by your brands, what kind of content are you guys looking for for UGC? We definitely love when people create content with our products. So Obviously, if you follow me or my brands, you can kind of get the same kind of visual with, with the aesthetics, the neutrals, the clean, the bright. Whenever we see someone that tags us in anything that they're posting with either of the brands, we love to just regram. And so I'm always keeping my eye out for that. I love that. And then for Instagram editing apps, what are your some of your favorites? I love Visco. That's kind of been like my OG since the beginning. I've always used Visco. And then I use J5. And then from there, I just really like tweak it manually just to make it really, really refined to the picture itself. I did experiment with Tezza. And I will say you, you like Summer Fridays completely shifted my entire <laughs> perspective on editing once you released your filter. I was blown away at how cute that, that whole editing app is. So I use that a lot for the brands actually, because I feel like you can make it super cohesive in that editing tool. Whereas Visco, I feel like it almost filters look different on every single photo for some reason. So for my personal use Visco for business, I love the Tezza app. And I'd say those are like the two main ones I use. Sometimes I use Photoshop if I like really need to fine tune something. But for the most part, I love editing on my phone. And we talked a little bit earlier about when you first started growing a lot on Instagram with traveling and stuff. But what ways do you find that help you grow now? Because I feel like it's so different and so difficult to grow now. I know. It really is difficult. I'd say 
one of like the best tools that I, or one of the best tips I was ever given was to use all of Instagram's tools when they released them. So I know Reels was supposed to be like emulating TikTok, which I really struggled with. Technical side of editing was not clicking for me. And I just kept saying, I'm too old for this. I'm too old for this. But I realized like I had to get on board with it if I really wanted to, you know, be on the explore fa- on the explore page or whatever they call it these days. So anytime Instagram releases a new tool, I'm always all about it. I jump on it. I do live. I use the the question box sticker tool. I use all those things because I think the more you use them, the more Instagram kind of pumps your content into other people's feeds. Um, I think consistency is super important. Still, I will always say that. I think. You know, if you don't post consistently, then you're going to get forgotten. People are going to forget who your content It's going to get like lost in the timeline. Also engaging with people. So they say within the first 15 minutes, you know, when you post something, be active, respond to comments, just kind of like engage with people to keep the engagement growing. Because obviously, the higher your engagement, the more your photo is going to possibly make it to the top of other people's timelines. So I try to kind of keep all those little things in mind when I'm running my page. But it's also hard because sometimes you don't have the time to sit there and dedicate to it. You just want to get your your photo up and you want to like resume with your life. But you know, when you're a content creator, it's not exactly an option. Top three holy grail beauty products. And one of them can be yours. <laughs> Lux and Filter number 12. Those are our bronzing face drops. I use those Basically, every other day, um, not only are they super hydrating, they give me a color and a glow. So I don't really wear a lot of makeup. These see me serum by you guys, Summer Fridays. Holy grail for sure. I'm obsessed with it. It's probably one of the only vitamin C serums I use that's ever like really hydrated my skin. And I feel like my skin is very sensitive. And the fact that it's clean and it's super hydrating and it leaves you glowy, like it's everything I want in a serum. So I love that. Third one, I'd say is the Elemis rose cleansing balm. So I use that instead of traditional soap because traditional soap that like suds up really just mm-hmm. dries out my skin. So I prefer to melt off my makeup and get all that like residue off with the cleansing balm. And this one not only smells really nice, it just leaves my skin feeling super hydrated at night. So when I feel like my skin's extra thirsty at night after a day of makeup and you know being exposed to the environment, I love the way my skin feels after that. So say those three are my favorites. What is better, your 20s or your 30s? I think 30s. I think that's probably an unpopular opinion. But honestly, in my 20s, it was just a lot of exploring and figuring things out and being broke and not knowing what I was doing with my life. And then 30s was like, got my shit together. I had a direction. I got married or I was married already, but I had a baby at 30. I felt like life really started for me at 30. I totally agree. My 30s are way better than my 20s. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love that. What is a goal that you're working towards? Well, what's a goal? Oh my gosh. Probably just to to finally release some of the projects that I've had in the works for so long. I mean, I don't even want to talk about it because it's so embarrassing. There's some things that I've been like working on for many, many years. And at this point, they just keep getting shoved further and further down the line the more I like have to focus on the brands. It'd be nice to release a cookbook one of these days. I'll just say it. I've been working on that forever. And it's just one of those things like you just have to dedicate so much time to that I just, I'm so time poor that it's like a major struggle for me. So I would love to have this next year, 2021, I would love to set, a t- set aside time every single month to just shoot content for that so I can finally, finally, finally release that. Oh, I love that. I'm excited. I don't really cook. So hopefully I'll find like a recipe in there that works for me. Yes, it's all easy. I'm all about easy, like 
quick things, nothing obscure, no weird ingredients. You're so confident and I love how sure you are of yourself. Where did you find that confidence from or is it just who you are? I mean, I would like to say that there's something I can attribute it to, but honestly, I've always felt very secure and comfortable in my own skin. And that has resulted in me coming off, you know, either cold or just not for, you know, I'm not like everyone's cup of tea. I think that I'm just brutally honest and I am myself all the time. And it's something that I kind of struggled with in high school because I realized that I didn't care what people thought about me. And that kind of shot me in the foot a little bit because people would be turned off by that personality trait. And then they would think that it's sort of bitchy or cold and but I didn't care. So I just kind of like, it, it was authentic to me and that's just who I was and I wasn't going to change for anybody. So it's just kind of been my personality from the beginning. And, you know, sometimes you question yourself, you're like, am I too harsh? Am I too this? But at the end of the day, it's like, I'm just being like truly who I am. And I can't, I don't want to change that just to like please somebody. So thankfully I found a man who can deal with my <laughs> my like moodiness and like sometimes I feel emotionless but I mean it's just it's a personality thing honestly what is a life lesson you wish you would have learned earlier probably not to rush things so much I I'm the kind of person who when I have an idea I just want to act on it I can't sleep I'm excited the wheels go like start turning in my head and I make notes and I'm just ready to just pounce especially now in business I've had to kind of like take a step back and really think things through and make sure that I'm making like logical, rational decisions. And that's mostly thanks to my husband, who's a lawyer and just, you know, has to be like over analytical and careful. But, you know, I don't, I don't ever want to make the wrong decision, especially in my business. So for me, it's more just like making sure that everything is like lined up doing everything correctly. And I'm prepared for whatever it is that I want to create and do next. Lauren and I are the same way. I'm so like, I get very excited about stuff and I like to do things very quickly. And then Lauren slows me down and like helps me really like think things through before we make decisions, especially big ones. So I feel like having co-founders are such amazing aspects to like having a business because it's two people who like balance each other out, but really have the same end goal in mind. Um, But for me, it's like so helpful to have somebody else, you know, doing it together with me. I would not be able to do it alone. I will just be brutally honest and say, I think I would, I would definitely have failed by now because with everything else, all the different hats, the roles, there's so much to learn. There's so much newness to it that I would never be able to do it without Paul. So I'm super grateful to have someone who's like equally as invested and excited and passionate about what we're doing. It's just, it's a, it's definitely like a 100%, like a 50, 50 partnership. Same. It's just the best. Well, where can everyone find Lux Unfiltered and Tan Lines? So Lux Unfiltered, it's just luxunfiltered.com on for our website and then same for Instagram. And then Tan Lines is um, at shop tan lines on Instagram and then shoptanlines.com for our website. And then what's your Instagram handle and blog? Mine is just sivanayla.com. Same for my Instagram. Everything's just my name. I try to keep it simple throughout the years. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next.